0: Hey everybody, welcome to Masters of Divinity, episode 4. This is JP, and only JP. Uh, just wanted to take a few minutes to mention that this is in fact a two-parter. So what you're listening to right now is part 1 of episode 4, where Matt Chuck and I take on the Christian media industry. Well, you don't really take it on. Uh, it would probably crush us, but we certainly talk about it, and um, we got really into this subject, so we got we went pretty long. And we just couldn't bear to part with everything that we covered. So we thought we'd have an epic two-parter. Cool thing is, uh, you don't even have to wait until next week. Listen to the epic conclusion, as part two has already been made available. So once you're done with this bad boy, be sure to hop on your magical iTunes machine and listen to part two. Uh, So now that we've got all that out of the way, here is Masters of Divinity, episode four, part one. Welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your host, moderator, comptroller, uh, president of the podcast, um, d- enforced dictator, uh, <laughs> JP. <laughs> Welcome with me as always, uh, Father Charles or Father Chuck. Yeah, Father Chuck, I guess. Your new podcast persona. Yeah, it's weird. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Great. Yeah, we're uh, we are recording from. Chuck's son's room. Yeah. It, it's the wall. The walls are seafoam and <laughs> it's like Kirk Cobain's guitar
1: or like we're under, we're underwater. That's sort of the idea we went with here.
0: Ah, under the sea.
1: Yeah. We try to go for an under the sea look with, with all the stuff here.
0: Yeah. Uh, under the sea enchantment. Yeah. Yes. yeah.
1: Yeah. We've got like a sea fan and like a jellyfish light and
0: you yeah. And, yeah. He's going to travel back in time and make sure that you and Kiana kiss and. Yeah. Exists. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. he doesn't get
1: to second base with her like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the weirdest part of that movie.
0: Anyway, so that was a <laughs> back to the future detour. <laughs> Matt is like trying not to laugh very hard for some reason. Matt, I see you're wearing uh, a Deadpool t shirt.
2: I am, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Deadpool's my hero.
0: He is. He's uh he's not the hero we deserve. <laughs> Uh, but definitely the hero we need. I still have yet to see the movie. Oh, Chuck. Father Chuck. I know. You gotta see it. I,
1: You know, I keep my innocent ears away
0: from such. Oh, shut up. Shut <laughs> up.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I just sit back at the beginning of these things and listen to the truth you go. <laughs> it's the most entertaining part for me, is the beginning of these podcasts. <laughs>
0: Well, now that we've got uh the introductions out of the way, which was our second attempt, today we thought that we would talk about um I've been using the word Christian industrial complex. Is that a bit hipster of me to say that? Christian industry? Mostly concentrating on music and film.
1: I don't know. Industrial complex kinda of, kinda of works. I mean on the first on the first episode we talked a little bit about this. You know, I know I talked a little bit about. You know how it was I think like nowadays it's 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 just sort of like music and film, but there was really like when we were growing up, I think Industrial Complex like is perfect because it was like you know you could carve out an entire life where you never had to leave the Christian bubble because right. you had your own coffee house, you know, and if you ate at like Chick Fil A a lot, like you had your own restaurants, uh-huh. you know, you could you could just sort of ca- kind of stay within that Christian world.
0: Yeah, you know? the Inspiration House, the Inspiration House with their angel comic books.
1: Yeah, we have the full run of those in the library at my chapel. Do you really? At my church, yeah.
0: I would actually like to read those. Yeah, the whole like
1: yeah. <laughs> I've actually been intrigued by them. Um, some of the kids in my church have, have, have borrowed them,
2: and uh, I've been kind of intrigued by it, but I've never taken the time to sit down and read them. Let's not forget you could have a rousing game of Redemption that you could play <laughs> with friends. Oh, you, yeah. Okay.
0: Let's,
1: <laughs> can we talk about that?
2: Oh. Because
0: I
1: feel like...
2: You, you missed out,
0: Chuck, if you didn't play Redemption. Hey,
1: no, can I I just want to point out to the <laughs> listeners here, the past like three episodes, it is it has definitely sounded like you and I, JP, are like the biggest nerds in the room and Matt's sort of like cool hanging out in the backseat, like untouchable. You guys played redemption.
2: <laughs> we this did. Is the, I did not play redemption. This is the only sphere where I came across as the cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we played redemption. Well, which is the, it was the Christian version of Magic. Right. Magic the Gathering. If you, yes. watched, if
0: you ever played Magic the Gathering, this was the Christian version. And the whole point of it was to win Lost Souls. Yes.
2: And we played until our school band did. <laughs> <laughs> We were no longer allowed to play Redemption did you, did you, on the campus, so we did, attempted one game at a comic book store. Oh, that was great. Um, to that's, continue We our, even
0: showed up in our school uniforms. Yes. It was great. We, Well, that was
1: my question, yeah, because I thought, I remember JP telling, I remember you telling me once that you guys showed up at Past, Present, Future Comics, mm-hmm. and like with the intent of using this as an evangelism tool. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's... that's so beautifully earnest. Is, is it a great... Can you just imagine, like, now, like, going to a comic shop and just seeing a group of kids in their khakis and polos and rugby shirts, Christian rugby shirts, playing Redemption? Like, would, would, you, would the thought that goes through your mind be, I should check out what they're doing? Or should it be, should I stay on the other side of the room for the rest of the time I'm here?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> my closest parallel was when I used to, when I used to go skateboarding at the the now defunct tragically lost skate park in Orlando called Badlands. Any Orlando skateboarders of a certain generation right now are are, are having nostalgic tears because um, it was such a beloved skate park. But I used to go, and I would wear, like, a Jesus T-shirt, and I remember the guy being like, oh, it's so that's so refreshing to see. It's like, you know, <laughs> instead of seeing, like, a Cannibal
2: Corpse T-shirt, like, here you are wearing Jesus. But... See, I'm listening, and I, I, my mind always goes to things like, I can't help but wonder how how much of Christianity is just us playing redemption. <laughs> and so, and well, that was so, the point
0: of redemption, Matt. Uh-huh. Like, it illustrated what was going on in the spiritual realm as we interact in our day-to-day lives. Wow, yeah. Okay. <laughs> is it like... It Is it really like a Frank not.
2: Peretti novel? Here, here's, well, where yeah. I'm, here's where I'm the coolest kid in the room again.
0: Uh, and before for, for Max talks, uh, Redemption does tie in to the Archangel
2: comic book series we were just talking about. Does it really? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does.
0: Continue Max. Some synergy.
2: Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, no. I had nothing important to say in any <laughs> world. Is there anything important to say about that game? I mean, let's be honest. Uh,
0: but, you know, mostly when we talk about Christian culture, I mean, I think the biggest thing about Christian culture, the... Biggest thing, Christian music. Absolutely. Am I right? Absolutely.
2: I'm still wrapping my head around that question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think it is. I think it's the biggest qualifier. You know, you always had your Christian movies, Christian TV shows that so you're touched by an angels and whatnot, your books, but it always came down to the music. Like no matter where we went, I know, you know, when, when we were in high school, I don't think any one of us had a car that was not auto-tuned to Way FM, 88.1, shout out. Uh, dangerous man in Cordova.
1: Unless you're in really Orlando, <laughs> in which case it was Z
0: eighty eight point three. Z eighty eight point three, I remember that as well. I also used to live in Orlando, so um yeah. But yeah, I think Christian music was huge and it's a big part of the culture and probably I would say maybe the most profitable. Yeah. Would you say so? I don't have statistics about me. I don't know how oh, to bat me out on how but
1: no, I mean there's actually um if 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 any of the listeners here are actually really curious to get deep into this, there's a really great book. Um, Andrew Bajon's Body Piercing Saved My Life, sort of an indie book. It's, I think it's kind of hard to come by
2: these days. I think we met, Matt and I, you, re- you were part of the book group when we read that, right? No, I was right after. I, was I right borrowed copy. That's and... right. Um, I, I, ne- I never finished reading, so. No, <laughs> but no, that book is actually a really great exploration it, but it talks about how the music industry, like
1: the, the Christian music industry, really, like, it kind of started the whole Christian subculture world. Right. And so, like, it all comes down to music in the '70s with the with the advent of, of Christian rock as the the outgrowth of this group of group of um, hippies called the Jesus People. Um, oh yeah, we st-
0: we study them it's at uh, our high school actually.
1: Yeah, I did not. <laughs> yeah. My fundamentalist Baptist school, like, the less we talked about hippies, even especially Christian hippies, the better, because I think that opened a door that they didn't want anyone was going. Oh out. well, they had nothing good to say about them, but yeah. Oh, Okay. <laughs> yeah, we didn't learn about them at all. I think it was just sort of. Let's just keep that knowledge off limits. <laughs> the Jesus people. The Jesus people. But like, you know, like, but there's some cool people that came out of that movement. I mean, even to this day, I have great
0: admiration for, for the late Keith Green. See, I'm not, you know, like I'll be really learned in school about the Jesus people is that they're a bunch of dirt, dirty hippies and they got it wrong. So I don't, I have nothing, I have no knowledge. Like who's, who is who Keith Green? So Keith Green
1: was, um, he was kind of, I think he, if I'm not mistaken, he started his life as like a child star. He was like a some kind of like TV show or something back in the seventies career didn't really take off there. But, um, um, he, he became a Christian after, I mean, you know, we know how a lot of child actors turn out. right? So he kind of got into that world and like into psychedelics and all this. And then he somehow along the way became found Jesus and just like radical transformation in his life. And, um, all through his like mid to late twenties, um, he grew up this amazing, just like Bob Ross kind of afro and beard, like you know, in the '70s, all like awesome. not so many people looked like that, right? But yeah. yeah, like that, you know, that that just beautiful like mane of curly hair. But he, um, but he kind of like he just had this sort of like Elton John sounding rock and roll piano kind of sound, and a lot of people they were inspired by his work. He's just very earnest. Um, one of his songs actually still I keep on my i on my iTunes um, on rotation. It's called "Because of You," and I just. I, I, there was a time where if I was ever going to be in a surf video, I wanted that to be the, the song that played during my section of the surf video. Huh. Um, that was way back when, though, like <laughs> and like several pounds ago. But the um, but the but the Keith Green, like I a mean, really innovative guy. I mean, he he didn't believe, he believed that his music was ministry and evangelism. And so he didn't believe in charging money for his records and his and the record company let him do that. They let people pay like, whatever they wanted to huh. by mail order. Oh wow! Um, but he, he died tragically. He bought a. Um, they bought a, a. Him and his wife, Melody, who, who I think just recently died. Um, but they bought a, a a big like track of land that they were gonna. Um, I think build like a commune, and it was like for like like homeless people. I mean, they were gonna really try to live like this sort of Christian socialist life. And while they were um, while they were surveying the he land, one. yeah, kind of like I mean, they were they were they, yeah they sort of predated what Shay Claiborne and, and the Simple Way Movement was doing by like thirty forty years. Oh. And the uh, so it was in the '70s anyway. His um, he was like 25, I think, 25, 20 or 28 maybe. Anyway, his um, while they were surveying the while they were surveying the the, the, the property, um, the Cessna they were flying in crashed, oh, and wow. like everyone died. Um, well, this podcast has got depressing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, he was a great inspiration. I really like his. I still like his music, but it's, it's definitely um, influential, influential stuff for for me. Um, yeah, Matt, Matt's grinning. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. I sneezed. Um, <laughs> oh, we it, noticed. It, cra- it cracked me up. We noticed. We missed a beautiful shout out to the God's Not Dead 2 trailer. With, oh. <laughs> God bless you. Careful or you'll find yourself on trial too. <laughs> oh,
0: I can't wait till we talk uh, about that movie. And can I just say, I, I'm, I am proud that Matt used the Obama sneeze where he covered his mouth with his
2: elbow instead of his hand. So. It's the vampire sneeze. <laughs> oh, God well Uh. yeah so keep Green, (laughs) (laughs) and tragic death i'm so sorry (laughs) it's all good it's all good but but
1: yeah i mean like that but that group of people like they started this whole like music movement and like for me like i know like we've talked about our different experiences growing up with it and you guys have a little bit of a different background than me like i mean matt i think you and i have some similar stuff like i was actually forbidden from listening to non-christian music like I could not, except like my mom would sort of like slyly let me listen to like stuff she listened to. So like I listened to the Beatles and things like that growing up, but ultimately I was only allowed like publicly in my church to admit that I listened to, to to Christian music. Yeah, and so that that had its own pros and cons, which I guess we can talk to in a bit. But that was that was my environment.
0: Yeah, I wasn't forbidden so much as slightly discouraged from listening. Or anything but then you know my musical taste wasn't that great anyway and i think my parents found solace in that <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't like you know i didn't really get into nirvana until i moved out of my parents house so that's how lame i am uh before we go on we should talk about how uh jp is like musically not literate at all we can work on that <laughs> i just got a david bowie and he's dead <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad music person. but You're a good movie
2: person. But. This episode has taken a dark turn with all the death. Oh, jeez. <laughs> with music. <laughs>
0: um, but uh, what about you? We you, were forbidden from some artists, weren't you, Matt? Well,
2: in case my mom and dad are listening, I won't say forbidden. Uh, <laughs> I will say that Stephen Curtis Chapman was too rockin' for our house. Um, really? Or yeah. maybe they just knew he was really lame and... Doing you a favor. <laughs> Music was definitely um, definitely a sheltered environment growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that plays into, I mean, I would shift our whole podcast, but I mean, that plays into I also wasn't allowed to, to watch yeah. or play with He-Man. So, calling our podcast "Masters of Divinity" after He-Man's "Masters of the Universe" that would have been a big no. <laughs> yeah. Growing up. Well,
1: I know, like we we're already like kind of working on doing an episode built around the '80s Satanic Panic, where we mm. can really talk about the like the shows we were forbidden from yeah. watching. I mean, we all
0: right. we all had those. Uh, we, I also want to just take a quick break to say that we're, we're not here to throw uh, our only listeners under the bus. Our parents. <laughs> <laughs> Well so, when we talk about being forbidden, we're not, we're not like, we're not angry or bitter or anything, no. you know, if anything, it might've helped us to become who we are today.
1: Oh, absolutely. You well, know? and that's like, I mean, when I mentioned there are pros and cons, I think for me, what was huge about, so my, so I was not allowed to listen, to, and, and and for my mom, it was totally pressure by our church. I don't think if, if it was totally up to her, she probably would have been a little more. Mm-hmm. open about it, but because like our church put so much pressure on her because she was a church employee, right. um, that, you know, there was sort of this expectation that I had to do this, but, uh, you know, I'm actually really grateful for it because it forced me to have to have discerning musical tastes because I wasn't really happy with just finding sort of the Christian equivalent of whatever was popular on mainstream radio at the time. I mean, I might've found a sound that I liked and I kind of sought that out. Right, but ultimately, I mean, I got into punk rock because I really like Green Day, which I know that's debatable whether that's true punk rock, but we won't get into that. <laughs> but then I discovered MXPX, uh-huh. and and because I discovered MXPX, I discovered the entire Tooth and Nail catalog. Tooth and Nail Records was this amazing. Um, I mean, they're still around, but they in the in the early to mid '90s were an amazing record label of just independent music made by Christians for Christians, and they weren't necessarily like caught up in what. Um, a lot of the like, a lot of the other Christian record labels like Dove or, or I mean Sparrow or or those others, where they had they generally they they, they had legitimately what they called a Jesus per minute quota, where like you had to say, like you had to have Jesus in your music like overtly. I mean, it me gets into that a little bit if in, in their album Teenage Politics, one of their songs gets into that. But the but but anyway, but the, their bigger point was that they really wanted to create sort of good music for Christians to listen to mm-hmm. and so be, through them I I I, listened, I ended up listening to a lot of indie rock that I would have in no way shape or form ever discovered and one of my absolute favorite records is this super weird record from this band called the Pep Squad from Oregon oh, yeah. and, um, and their first album I just I love it like I love that record I've, I've listened to it to death and I would have never found that had I not um, been forced to listen to Christian music but also to be fair I I traded that album to our friend Keelan. Um, I I, I gave him my copy of Ace of of Bases, The Sign. That was one record I managed to sneak as a a child. I gave him that in exchange for the pep squad. Fair trade. um, At first, I thought it was a bad decision. In retrospect, I made the right decision.
0: I think you did too. Okay, so Chuck, what was your favorite Christian album growing up? What was the one you always kind of returned to? Maybe even to this day. Ooh. So kind of like. I probably,
1: to this day, there's two that I, I still listen to from, from that day. And in fact, I, I, I have the original record from my, the actual CD from my childhood that I still listen to. Oh, um, right. And that is um, Jars of Clay's first record, their self-titled record with Flood and Liquid and all those big hits okay. um, that they're really known for, and um, DC Talk's Jesus Freak. Now, like, most of that record I can't listen to these days. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, there are a couple of songs, like, In the Light and a few others on there that I just, I really find just to be just, ge- just genuinely good songs. Mm-hmm. But those are probably the two that I I, I come back to the most. That maybe okay. maybe MXPX's life in general. Okay. I mean, I could go on. There's a lot that, it really, that I feel really, that I feel really, like, and almost anything by Page of the Lion. Um, but really, really, but for my childhood, like in my, in my like middle school to high school days, yeah, probably I'd have to, I'd have to put it as a toss up between, um, jars of
2: clay or DC talks, Jesus freaked. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Matt, what about you?
2: Well, it would also be jars of clay, so yeah, that, that I, I, takes away the impact. But they—I uh, remember
0: um, you dragging me to many jars of clay concerts yes, in
2: high school. Yes, yeah. I And night of joy with jars of clay. Of <laughs> night of joy. Uh, yes. And uh, <laughs> but it right. would probably be further more from the studio from the stage. They're oh, kind of sure collections of songs that were kind of stripped down more. Um, and there's a like a ten and a half minute version of Worlds Apart. That I was obsessed with. Mm -hmm. So
1: That song actually scares me. There have been several times where I've listened to that song, and I've kind of let that song be like a prayer for me. And, like, my world fell apart after listening to it. And so I... Like, whenever it comes on my iTunes, I, I tend to skip it <laughs> because, like, I'm like, nope, nope, not happening.
0: We're going to have a very serious podcast one day where we talk a lot about depressing stuff. That's where – that's what I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> that's where this is going. Like, it's going to be, like, Mark Mirren's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not going to get that depressive.
2: <laughs> but I actually think Jars of Clay is a great, um, a great band to fit into this conversation because – um,
0: they reached across the aisle. A yeah, lot they they into, reached
2: across the aisle and were kind of shunned for it by the Christian community. For it. when Flood became a hit right. outside of Christian circles, it started all this talk of like they're not a Christian band anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Christian music. You can't listen to them anymore. Um,
1: and, then, and, I, and rumor has it that one of the songs off of DC Talks Supernatural is a, is like a, is calling them out about it. I can't remember what song it is though. My hmm. wife could tell you.
2: I don't know, but it really stresses uh, to me, because um, it, it stresses to me what the problem with the the Christian industry, like mm-hmm. you were talking about, what the problem is, where my thing is always like, um, Christian music in concept is something that I would actually love, you know, great music that is centered around um, truths that I can listen to, like the way Worlds Apart impacted you when you heard it. Um, I love Christian music that actually reaches, it reaches in and impacts. Um, kind of like we talked about in episode two, it's, it stirs the soul in a way. Yeah. But then there's Christian music that's created for the sole purpose of, we're doing this so that people won't listen to you, and it's kind of a, a big commentary again on, um, the way Christians interact with the world a lot of times. So to me, it's like, I don't have anything wrong with making Christian music, Christian movies, or having those themes in your music and movies. I actually love that, because, I mean, I believe, the, I believe in that stuff, so it's great to hear it and see it, um, when it's done well. So it's always like, why do we have to have this industry called Christian music, instead of just having bands making great music and putting in the truths? And when you'd have a band actually do that, their song would cross would cross lines and people would be listening outside of the outside of that circle um and but ironically they'd get shunned and and turned down because unsafe people are actually listening to their christian music (laughs) so weird
1: and then like i mean there's the the, the argument that the that the um the argument that the that the so-called secular industry isn't going to want to hear anything about god in their music, which I I mean, I, I, sometimes I get, sometimes I don't. I mean, one of the stories that I I find very interesting, um,
0: one of those beautiful songs ever written is my foot is asleep. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm I'm like waving my, my leg around trying to get it awake. Sorry. So if
2: there's a lot of noise, it's JP fidgeting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, um, but no,
1: one of the, I mean, one of the, one of those stories that it's a that I find fascinating is one of the greatest songs ever written is, um, God only knows by the Beach Boys off of their Pet Sounds record, and one of the stories behind it is that they is that Brian Wilson was told, well, you can't call that you can't you can't have a song called God only knows that won't play that won't sell, and Brian Wilson was like you know well, I'm not changing it, and it shot up the charts and it surprised a lot of people because you know you just don't have songs with God in the title in you know main in pop mainstream radio, and that was in the '60s, and so like to think even nowadays like you hear that but. You know, I, I, I just don't know if I buy that that argument all the time. I think the deal is is like when it's corny and, and sort of forced, that's when it gets obnoxious. I mean, because we talk about Christian music, like what makes music Christian? Mm-hmm. Is it just because like they sing about Jesus every six seconds? Is that what makes it Christian?
2: Right.
1: You know, and that's and that's and that's an ongoing. I mean, um, the Dove Awards, the Christian industry awards, thing. They, they're constantly having battles about their de- the, the definition of Christian music. Um, because one of the stories that came out was, um, several years ago in, in, um, and in Andrew Bajone's book, they talk about this, that, um, Sixpence None the Richer was up for a, uh, a Dove Award for their song, um, Kiss Me, really, which was a cover of, uh, the shirt, not the Shirls, the, whatever, there was a cover of a 70s song and they really quickly had to like revise their rules so that they could exclude them from getting the award because that song didn't reflect Jesus or whatever. And so, but the problem with that definition is then it arguably excluded any kind of instrumental music. Right. Because if, if, a mu- if music cannot be overtly communicating about Jesus, well then how do you do that with instrumental? How do you deal with other things? So it, it, they're always having these battles about their, about the definition of it. But like anything Mozart made most, much of what Mozart made would, would arguably be Christian music because right. he wrote mass settings. Right. But a lot of people don't consider that Christian music because he wasn't working within the paradigm of a subculture recording industry that puts a label on it that way. Yeah,
0: and and I know, like I know, we want to talk about Christian movies and other things, right? Well, I also him. wanted to kind of add in. I, I think you know, uh, it's one of the other traps was uh, I love making this joke because it's one of my favorite memories growing up and. Trying, I remember trying very hard to find a Christian band or a Christian album to be really into. I did eventually kind of start really liking Newsboys, but I grew out of them very quickly because I really only liked their live shows. I mean, they're
1: they're recognized even outside of the Christian world as having put on one of the best live shows ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, but like I think one of the biggest trappings of the Christian industry is, is uh, in terms of music was trying to provide an alternative to something that's already established. Yeah. you know, and I think that's just not just music. It's like, you know, that's all over in the Christian culture of like books and movies and everything. You know, I remember going to a website that said like, if you like these bands, you'll like this band. And I remember seeing, you know, and I was I wasn't like super well versed, but I knew my I knew my 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 secular bands, uh, and there are things like if you like Rage Against the Machine, you'll love Audio Adrenaline. <laughs> And if anyone's ever heard either of those bands, they couldn't be either further apart. There was also, if you like Nirvana, you'll like the O.C. Supertones, which is a ska band. Wow. I don't even think O.C. Supertones would like that comparison.
1: No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I remember I remember when I was trying to find... There was a point where I, I, I really liked some of the songs I heard by Rage. And I remember asking the guy at the Christian record store
0: yeah.
1: um, who... And I, well, you know, is there anything like that? And he suggested POD. <laughs> I mean, at it's least kind it's, of it's close. It's yeah. close. Yeah, yeah, rap, yeah. The kind of the rap metal thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but more than audio adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely. But oh yeah, um, it's pretty bad. Well, and that's and, and you know and that to me gets to that like we're chasing after the culture. Mm-hmm. Like, I think of I saw a meme a couple months back. That had a um, it had a Rose Art logo, you know the Rose Art Marker Company. Yeah, and it said, "How you know your parents hated you?" <laughs> um, because they would get you Rose Art instead of Crayola. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, but I think of like you know, I think we all have that story of like Christmas morning, ones receiving a gift from our parents and being told, "Oh, it's just as good as the other thing," <laughs> and we're always like, "No, it's not." Um, and, and, and I know that's such a first world problem thing, but like, (laughs) but I sort of feel like Christian, Christian recording industry sort of established itself around that whole concept. Oh, it's just as good. Right. It's just as
0: good as what, you know. Yeah. It's like what you're listening to only has God in it. So it makes it better automatically.
1: Yeah. But they kind of already acknowledges that it's not as good.
0: Yeah. Like, because you have to say it's just as good. It's the Diet Coke of Rage Against the Machine. It's the...
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or the Diet Pepsi or whatever. Yeah. I'm just trying to think, I have a couple of good, I have a couple of friends who are really like hardcore Diet Coke fans and
2: they may like, they may like dox us for no. calling out Diet Coke. <laughs> Backlash against Diet Coke. Uh,
0: I, I am an enormous fan of Diet Dr. Pepper. I think it actually does taste better than regular Dr.
2: Pepper. <laughs> All right.
0: Anyway. Uh, <laughs> We're learning lots about each other. Yeah, we really are. We really are. So let's talk about Christian, uh, Christian movies and, and maybe even TV shows, um, You know, the Christian film industry, I think, is even more like I I can kind of give the Christian music industry some credit for trying to do their own thing, not just existing to be an alternative. But in my opinion, like the the Christian film industry and and even the TV shows and whatnot, they solely exist to be an alternative.
1: Right. And and like in the back of my mind right now is I just watched the trailer. We all just watched the trailer for God's Not Dead 2. Right. And, like, and I'm like yeah, Sabrina explains it all. And I'm like <laughs> to god, to god. And I'm like I'm like there's like there's there's a like fury in me over this. Um like a gavel. Break a gavel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the guy Winston Winston Um but no, the um Ernie Hudson, yeah, he mm-hmm. breaks a thing in it. But no, like I like that, like the, my my big question is, and, it, and that the pre and that trailer for that movie just brought me back to like all the Christian movies that I had seen. And the question that I always have is, is who is this movie for? Right. Because like all these Christian movies, the, the, they all have this cliche just moment. Even growing up, that I just couldn't stand, which is where at some point somebody has to have like their altar call come to moment. Oh yes. You know they ask Jesus into their heart moment.
0: And so, okay, oh, so. And I have a favorite one, but keep going. I'll tell you what so, my favorite one is.
1: So, ostensibly, this is about. This is a movie meant for non Christians to watch. So that they, like, get convicted and get saved. Mm. But the non Christians are never going to watch this movie.
0: No, they're not. No. <laughs> so,
1: it's. I, you know, I, I, what I'm kind of coming around to is that it's almost like porn. <laughs> like, it's just for, like. Oh, boy. It's just, like, for Christians to, like. It just, it just affirms them. That's just all it does. It just, it's just like, yeah, we can feel good about the right. bad people out there. Yeah. Um, and it just, it just, it just has that quality to it of just being very just sort of self-fulfilling and just kind of creates this cycle of just like self like self, yeah, self-affirming. I don't,
2: I could go on. I am yeah. I'm, I feel bad about calling it porn. <laughs> you, you should. i'm gonna say that because i I, uh, yeah because you should (laughs) poses that (laughs) analogy but but, um but yeah i mean it's it just it comes back to me of the idea that we have to create this this label to purposefully go against the other stuff out there right instead of Placing the time and effort into making something that's good enough to be out there uh and I can't help but think in bringing up this movie um obviously it's tied to to Mel Gibson, and we all know that's not a not a good place to go um but, the Passion but of I think of, yeah but I think of Passion of the Christ is he one thing he did do is he set out he set out to make a good movie um he didn't set out to make the the Christian movie that, mm-hmm. that you would get from um, to play on Sunday at church, he set out to make a good movie that was all about Christ and his life. And that movie actually stood out when it came out because of the quality, the time put into it, the fact that they, they used them, the other languages. Um, the effort placed okay. into it made it stand out. Yeah, yeah I
1: mean, I, I think that I, I actually do like The Passion of the Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I'll defend that movie. I really will. I think it's a beautiful piece of art. I mean, because it's meant to be the stations of the cross mm-hmm. in motion. Right. So, just, so I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like it was meant to be an artistic statement right. that just happened to be about Jesus rather than like, here, we're going to wrench Jesus into this story about right. ninjas.
2: Or, yeah. And, and I mean, if you're going to, if if our goal, if we're Christians and our goal is to create something to... I mean, mean, in essence, the only reason we should be doing anything is to glorify God. Mm -hmm. So if our goal is to glorify God in making these movies and films that have his messages in them, then our focus should be to make the most beautiful piece of art, not to make a ripoff that is out there to go against what is already a hit and already a fad, but something that, I mean, if we're doing it right, um, I mean, I, I would argue that Christians should be the innovators. They should be the ones that are making the movies that people are like, "Wow, I didn't see that coming," because yeah. they're they're looking to do things at a level that expresses um, the importance behind
1: it. Well, I like. I mean, like I think of I think it was Martin Scorsese. I think of like the Passion. I mean, um, The Last Temptation of Christ. Right. People would say that that is not that that's a non Christian movie. Oh yeah, but then like there was a
0: guy that drove a bus into a movie theater to protest it. Yeah. Right,
1: but at the same time. Like it's super Christian, right? Because yeah. the whole idea is that it's, it's that, you know, Jesus who we, who the Bible admits was tempted in all ways like we are yet yeah. without sin. So it explores like this last final temptation of Jesus and the, and, the, and the temptation, you know, of him to, to, to change and do something other than what he was called by God to do and, and incarnated by God to do. And then in the end of the movie, he does it. He Spoiler goes through way, with but, it. Yeah. And so it, it affirms the Christian message. And yet people just lack the artistic you know like nuance or whatever to kind of see what what he was trying to do with that movie and like that's the kind of stuff that really interests me and in fr- and, fr- and, and, and frustrates me in the in the Christian world because you know we were the we were responsible for the
0: Renaissance yeah one of the greatest pieces of art is like the you know the roof of the Sistine Chapel right yeah
1: right we, we were responsible for the Renaissance and now we make. Like Fireproof. We make we make <laughs> lifetime movies, like <laughs> lifetime channel movies for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your favorite what was your I'm gonna steer I'm gonna steer this again. Uh, you wanna drive the podcast? What was what was your uh, what was your I'm curious, what was your favorite bad conversion
0: scene in a Christian movie? Oh, it was from a little movie called um, Megiddo, and it was actually a sequel to the uh, the Omega Code. Okay. Yeah. The Omega Code was just like one of a billion uh, movies about like the Antichrist and the ra- – the, well, there was no rapture, but there's the Antichrist and the end of the world and all that. Uh, the sequel was about like basically like the, the literal, um, you know, war that took place uh, in the Valley of Megiddo, which is actually – I think it was actually shot the Valley of Megiddo using like – the production value was incredible uh, because like, apparently the guy that owns – uh, the company that makes like tanks and military grade like weapons for movies is like a hardcore Christian, and so he just like gave his production all this stuff to use like willy nilly. Anyway, the movie also stars one Michael Bean. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. Michael Bean, as you know, is famous for portraying Kyle Reese in the uh, first Terminator movie. He was also uh, played Hicks in Aliens. Hicks, and uh, he played uh, a must a mustached Navy SEAL in The Abyss. One of my favorite actors, also Johnny Ringo from Tombstone, great actor, and uh, he's in this movie, and he plays. Uh, it's been so long since I've seen it, but uh, <laughs> he eventually he, he plays someone within the president's cabinet, and during this whole thing, and like America sells out to the Antichrist, is being played by, oh shoot, what's his name? Legendary British actor, um, the guy that played Basil and Austin Powers.
1: Michael
0: Caine? No, 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 Michael Caine. Oh, God, oh. I wish. <laughs> um,
1: oh, no, actually, he played Michael, uh, Austin Bauer's dad in the third movie.
0: Um, 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 oh, geez, what's his name? Legendary British actor. This is bad.
1: Whatever. We, no, can, okay. we can look it up later, and we can put uh, it up on the, on the blog.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Michael Bean, uh, Michael Bean eventually becomes president of the United States because everyone has turned on him, and the American forces, the Christian forces have started to look to him, and that's when he decides, I need God's help. And that's when he becomes a Christian. All right. And he faces off against the Antichrist, and the Antichrist basically turns into Satan and they have a a, a little bit of a duel. And uh Satan kills Michael Bean. Wow. Right before he uh, right after he converts. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, wow.
0: And let me tell you something. I saw that movie in a packed house, a packed house on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sitting uh with some with some ladies behind me. And during the scene where Satan was being defeated by God, there were a, a bunch of, a lot of amens and a lot of uh, mm-hmm, you know. Nice. Yeah. What does
1: it say? Because I'm thinking in my head now, in so many of these movies that I, that like, you know, my, my favorite, I know you and I have talked about this movie, A Thief in the Night, 1970s. Yes. Horror oh film about the rapture. Oh, yeah. Um, I, 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 uh, I think about, like, those kinds of movies where so many, uh, so often in the story... Like the person converts, and then their life just goes completely apart. Yeah. Like, it just goes completely <laughs> south on them. Like, right. you know, like, I mean, in some, and like the kids' movies, a lot of times, you know, like, they pray and ask Jesus in their heart, and, then like, things work out for them,
0: I guess. Right. But yeah. so then, it's
1: kind of interesting, the, the adult movies, like, things go south. Like, what is that saying about
0: converting to Jesus? I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I'm glad that you mentioned Thief in the Night, because I've know i been holding that in. I've been wanting to mention that. If you're not familiar with Thief in the Night, it is it the first of a series. Of uh, uh, I guess you, what would we call these movies? Uh, Christian apocalypse movies, like, yeah. like kind of like Left Behind before Left Behind existed. Right. The first one was Thief of the Night. Second one was This and Thunder. Third one was uh, oh, I don't know. Fourth one was Prodigal Planet. But right. it it's was... a great title, Prodigal <laughs> Planet. What a great title. <laughs> yeah. And the first one they came out like in uh, the seventies, early eighties. Yeah. So you can already tell. What the production value was like on those bad boys. Um, but the first one kind of came out when horror movies are kind of becoming pretty popular. Again, you know, it so said everything exists in the Christian film industry to be an alternative. Yeah. And this but, came out in time, a lot of natural disaster movies were popular, a lot of horror movies were popular.
1: But I, I sort of feel like A Thief of the Night, as corny as it is, yeah. is not trying. I feel like it's really trying to be its own thing. You think so? I really do. I. By the way, that movie is streaming for free <laughs> on YouTube somewhere, so you guys should watch it. And like I said, I'm going to be, um, like I said, I'm going to be, I mentioned before that my plan at some point is to host like a Halloween viewing of this movie. That would be great. I just think it's such a, it's such a cheesy horror film. Matt, you've seen The of the haven't you? Yes, I have. And um, I won't start saying yeah, the song. The Larry Norman, I Wish You All
2: Been Ready song. I wish we'd all been ready. Very
0: creepy. Maybe um, we'll close out the episode of
2: that song. <laughs> of course, stay tuned for the Halloween episode.